Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gills Gilbert, and Cole Carmody. We have allowed Zach Carlson to have some time off. I don't know what got into me. A guy wants a little bit of his own life, you know, to go watch man stuff, Formula One racing. Well, European man stuff. I don't know how manly that is. Jean-Claude, he made that turn by the shop quick very well. I would rather watch that than NASCAR, though. This is a good debate right here. This should be good for the overtime, which we'll record after this. What is the best form of vroom vroom? It's not us talking about it. Uh, this is the K-State Power Cat Questions podcast where we talk about K-State stuff. For the most part, we'll get into Big 12 and expansion stuff. I'm sure I saw some questions about that um, as we muscle forward in the absence of Zach Carlson. But you know who never leaves us? They never have left us for years. Fridge Wholesale Liquor. And if they ever do leave us, I will cry. I will feel abandoned. Quit tormenting the dog. The dog I don't know what does, you're talking about. does not want to see you. Stop into the fridge every time you're in Manhattan, even if you don't need anything. Just say hi. Just take up some parking and go say hi. Plus, if you got a big event, go ahead and pre-order that keg. they got an easy way to just roll up and get it. Um, and, you know, even packaged liquor. They can bring it out to your car with their app. If you don't have their app and you're a regular there, you're a fool. A darn fool. Stop into the fridge whenever you're in Manhattan. Proud sponsors of this podcast for many, many years. And this is the podcast in which K-Staters of all types can listen. But the only ones that can ask the questions are are our subscribers. Man, that was hard. Our, our. Our, yeah, whatever. Uh, Subscribers at Wabash Station and GoPowerCat.com, our premium message board. And to read the first half of the questions is Mr. Cole Carmody. First question comes from KNED. How comparable is Terrence Newman being one of the last guys signed to first-round pick with King Felix? Does it mean Kleiman is comparable to Snyder in protecting what a recruit can be over what they are rated now? What would fans say if we signed either of these two-star projects coming off of the Big 12 title, and what would we offer now? Does the staff know finding lower-ranked, underdeveloped, high-ceiling five-star frames is still our way to five-star dudes? A lot of questions in one, but I think it encapsulates what we want to talk about. Well, um, projecting um, these athletes has been an art form for Kansas State that Bill Snyder established. And Chris Kleiman's continued because they had to do it at North Dakota State, too. That was a big part of their success. Yeah, they still recruited the elite players that went to the FCS level. Um, you know, beating out FBS teams quite often for for players because the you know the successful nature of NDSU football. But this has got to remain a cornerstone of Kansas State, and and the two similar similarities there um, on these kids are they're both out of the area. Um, you know, Terrence, I'm very familiar with because I'm a Salina guy, and Terrence even went to my high school, which why it's not named, you know, Salina Fitzgerald High. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. You'd think they'd do that. But um, he was an incredibly fast human being. He was a track star that, oh, yeah, the coach had him come play some football too. Yeah. And when he got to K-State, he didn't really know how to be a football player. And they taught him that, and it took him a, you know, two, two and a half seasons to kind of settle into that, if I'm recalling right, and kind of figure things out. And then in the 2000 Cotton Bowl against Tennessee, maybe my memory's off here because my memory's crap now. He shut down Dante Stallworth. I think that's, I think that's right, um, in that game and really surged on to the national stage, eventually becoming regarded as the best, you know, in the Thorpe Ward, his best defensive back. Uh, went higher in the draft, much higher than King Felix. But Number two overall, I believe? No, he was number three. 
five or six. He okay. was one spot behind where uh, the man, the the true king, That's right. Verl Schweitzer went. Yes. Um, hey, Daphne, we're trying to have I'm, a podcast. I'm not here. even looking at her, and she's still could chirping you, at me. Could you quit growling at, at Gills? And, and while I know he's incredibly ugly and offensive, just stop. Um, but I... I when I started to read this KNED question, I was like, what? And then I go, oh, he's exactly right. They both literally developed from players that nobody wanted. And, um, again, you know, the, why that happens in the state of Kansas quite often is the focus on this state, in this state, by the Activities Association is multi-sport athletes. They don't want you to pick a favorite in high school. And I kind of agree with that. You know, maybe as you get more advanced in your sophomore, junior year, you can kind of pick it out and know it exactly. But Terrence Newman's favorite sport, without a doubt, was track. And he also could play football, but the scholarship offer was there for football. And and Felix, I I look back at that photo of him standing there with Connor Riley as pure comedy. (laughs) The what he was three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, to what he is now is just such a testament to the young man, but also that the staff saw something there and, and saw a frame upon which you can put muscle. And that's so often what the, what the situation is. Um, you know, with, if it, it's alignment of some sort, can he fill out? And they've missed some guys. They've, they've had some guys that have had to transfer out cause they just can't get the weight on that they need. But it's, it's a cool thing K-State does. It's projectability. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. And and I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about Keisha. And I would even throw Misha on the Missouri side into that as well. I mean, yeah. the Midwest, you can't pick one sport and that be your sport. This isn't Texas. In Texas, you're either a baseball player, a basketball player, or a football player. It doesn't overlap. But in Kansas, you have to play all the sports simply because of the size of the state and and quite frankly most schools are not as big as as these other schools so in order to have these teams they have to have kids that play multiple sports and so uh, i look at a kid um in jacob Parrish who could be maybe not a first round pick but one of these guys who was a a late signee uh, you mentioned track star with terrence newman i mean jacob Parrish is one of the fastest kids in the entire state and he comes on as a true freshman and starts at the end of the season that to me is one of those guys who fans at the when he was signed we're like well what is this guy doing and and what do you know the coaches see something and then he's starting so um i do want to touch on k ned's question where he said um what do we offer these kids now um i guess you could even throw deuce vaughn into that mix if we if we want to kind of an under recruited power five level i think the answer to that question is yes like if you go out and you look and see who they're still recruiting they're still trusting their gut. They're still right. trusting their evaluations. Are they in play for some higher rated recruits? Yes. But they're still going to take flyers on guys that have really high ceilings. And I think that's important because that's how you get the guys like Felix. If, if they didn't offer him, guess what? He was going to go to Missouri as a student. How crazy is that? Just in, in, It's just amazing. And I think that the staff knows what they're doing. They have a plan. And, and yeah, they're going to continue to offer these diamonds in the rough. It just goes to show you that it doesn't matter how many stars you get. As good of a job that our, our national guys do, Wally included, they're not always going to be accurate. And just because you have two stars in front of your name, it, it really doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, the stars are a snapshot of the person, player you are at that moment. And that can often evolve. It's, it, it is interesting to me. But at the core of this question is, will K-State ever graduate from being a developmental program? And I, I say no, because the, the recruiting base just isn't here. What Kansas and, as you add correctly, Missouri, with this focus on multi-sport athletes, you don't get the precise development that you get in other sports. And it's also in two recruiting pools of limited size. That, Kansas State just doesn't have the recruiting base that it needs to sustain greatness over a long term just by picking the guys up that are around you. They got to go find them. They got to go beat out the local schools in Texas, um, Georgia, Arizona. Where else have they been lately? Florida. They're going to get into Florida even more now, I'm sure, with UCF coming in. And you've got to overcome the local schools. They can get enough of the Kansas kids, which is crucial uh, to make a difference, uh, but there's not enough to sustain a program at the highest levels. And so, yes, they're going to have to continue to develop, particularly by recruiting Kansas kids. 
Good question, Kanid. Yep. Next question comes from Eric Schneid. Of the K-State guys who just got drafted, who do you think has the most successful career in the NFL? Deuce. I, I'm, I'm a 100% believer in Deuce. So I guess my question to you then, Fitz, is where they're drafted, does that play into expectations? Because Felix could have a really successful Felix could have point. a really successful career with the Chiefs, but because he was a first round pick, will he be judged differently than say uh, a Deuce Vaughn who was a sixth round pick? Like, is that what the answer for quote unquote successful careers is? I think there's a lot of validity to that. I mean, he was a six-round pick. Let's measure him against that. But I just think Deuce is going to be in the league for a long time. He's going to be a, a valuable piece. He'll never be a starter. Um, and maybe in some situations he might. But I, I do think there's going to be a lot of similarities in his career as there were to Darren Sproles's, and that went on forever. <clears throat> the other side of not being a regular, a, a starting running back, is shelf life. You, you last longer. Um, uh my fear with Felix is that he will put on the added weight that he needs to be consistent in that role at the NFL level, and either it'll slow him down or it'll break him down. Somehow, uh, oh, she's full of it today. Somehow, Darren Howard overcame all that and, and, and continued his career. Now, that's that's two comps for Kansas State players that I think are very legitimate. Um, and I, I don't know. I think Josh Hayes is going to make the Buccaneers from what I'm hearing. Uh, we'll see what happens with Brents. I think he's got a huge upside. And you know what? Maybe the answer is Julius Brents. But I just think Deuce is going to be very valuable for teams. I was surprised to see Felix go first round, period. I was afraid he was going to drift into the second round and maybe even the third round. But as I've always said, it just takes one mm-hmm. franchise. And, um, you know, as ugly as you are. Uh, Gilbert, uh, you have had a girlfriend. So it just goes to show you, it just takes one one person to believe in you. Yeah, but I'll, I'm with you. I think Deuce, just the if they if they get him the right, um, you know, if they get him to who he, who they want him to be, you know what I mean? And like a guy like uh, Tyreek Hill, we talked about this so many times on this podcast, or Debo Samuel, if, mm-hmm. if they give him a role, he's going to last a lot longer than – most running backs and he can be in the league for 10, 15 years and not be super banged up if he's just getting five or 10 meaningful touches a game versus getting, you know, 20, 25 where you're getting tackled and and bullied every, you know, every play he's undersized and playing in the NFL is going to be a little tougher than playing in the big 12, obviously. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Fitz. Just, I think Deuce is, as long as they get him where they want him to be, you know, talking about the Cowboys, they'll, they'll have a, a good career with him. And I'm not saying Felix won't have a good career, but, you know, like you said, Cole, he was a first-round draft pick. If he's not a pro bowler or anything like that these first couple of years, then was he a bust? No, but I think that perception might be out there just a little bit. Right, and I think, I think again, if you, if you ask the Chiefs, if Felix is an average player who they don't pick up the, the fifth-year option because once you're a first-round pick, you can – you know the, the team has that option to pick up that fifth-year. Say they don't pick up that fifth-year option, but the Chiefs win another Super Bowl or two with Felix on the roster, and he's a contributor at some point. Was it a successful career? I think if you ask the Chiefs, the answer to that question is yes. If you ask the Chiefs fan, answer that question, probably be yes. So it, it, it's all on a sliding scale, but I want to talk about Deuce because what made Darren Sproles so good in the NFL – was his availability. He was always healthy. Mm-hmm. And when he wasn't healthy, he had the one season-ending season ending injury with the Eagles, unfortunately, the year they ended up winning the Super Bowl. But he was healthy all the time. What is the one thing about Deuce when he was at K-State? Healthy. He was always healthy. That small, compact frame just was it was it able him to avoid the big hits, right? It's kind of counterintuitive. You would think maybe a smaller guy would be more likely to to get those big hits, but he has a smaller frame. So it's harder to lay those big hits. There's a smaller target zone. I think do staying healthy is going to be a big part. The best availability is availability in the NFL. And I, I I actually think the answer to this question, I know I just talked about Deuce, but I actually think Felix is going to have a super successful career with the Chiefs because of the system that he's in with Steve Spagnuolo and Joe Cullen and those defensive, that defensive line. I mean, the culture, it's all about the culture. Right. I will say Julius Prince going into an Indianapolis Colts organization that doesn't have the greatest culture right now might be a challenge for him um, as it is for any young player. But you can ask for a better culture than going into the Chiefs locker room right now for Felix. And I think that's going to have a major impact on his career development. Agreed. Agreed. Disagree. 
Just Thank you. Just, just do that? Yeah. That's, that's a good move. I don't have my red sunglasses on like you guys. Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> Dealers. Yeah. Fair enough. Next question comes from Ohio Powercat. Were you surprised by any of the football players who entered the transfer portal? Did they decide on their own to leave, or did they have a conversation with the coach and see that may not have the role that they wanted to going forward? I think- no, not really. I'm not surprised. And the only ones that I'll be surprised at are people that I think will be starters. That's the only ones that'll surprise me anymore. Um, maybe you just get the message that you're getting beat out at, say, offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. There's other guys ahead of you. And you deep down know that well, I'm not going to. These guys are really good. I, I need to go somewhere else. Um and the other side of that is I just think some kids now are like, it's so easy to transfer. And this was the fear of old school coaches like Bill Snyder. They don't work through any difficulties. Yeah, They, they don't want to face the mountain and climate. They want to hop on, you know, the ride to go to the smaller mountain or less treacherous place i I think the grass will be greener yeah and the other thing is it may not have anything to do with football Mm -mm. it it might be a bad breakup with a girlfriend or i mean these are young men that are still going through a lot of stuff so um yeah it's just the reality of these days so it's jalen clem offensive tackle omar daniels cornerback gavin forche linebacker is that the only three in this window am i yeah that i remember yeah Uh, uh, the first two guys you listed, I think, are just getting beat out. Yeah. And and the last one, uh, uh, we'll just say it. That they signed some guys at the wire last year from junior colleges that I think are most of our Go Powercat staff agree now. Why? Mm-hmm. I mean, they Take added some, they Yeah, they added depth. And Forche did play some snaps towards the end of the year when they were thinned out. But they just aren't – they were never going to be guys that – coming out of junior college that were going to play at a high level. I look at those guys like Clem and, and Daniels as two guys who maybe thought that they would have an opportunity this season. And when that opportunity didn't arise in spring ball, oh, well, I'm not going to play. I don't want to sit around anymore mm-hmm. and, and waste my time, especially with a guy like Jalen Clem. And I've never interacted with Jalen. I do not know him personally. But I also know that his dad is an offensive line coach in the NFL. And I would imagine that there's – hey. Son, you're good enough. Let's go somewhere and get you right so you can play at that next level. Right. And if that's what Jalen ends up doing and goes and starts somewhere, because as Wagcat pointed out on the boards um, earlier this week, there is a shortage of good offensive tackles in college football right now. Jalen Clem, if none of these guys had come back, he would be in the mix to, to play. Maybe not start, but to play. So, um, yeah, I just think that he's not good enough to see the field this season at K-State. That will be two years without him playing. So really, why would he want to wait around if he thinks he's good enough to play at the next level? Go somewhere else and, and get game reps. I understand that. I and, really do. And I mentioned that, you know, they, they, these might be the reasons they leave. Another reason is they just don't feel at home. I mean, that you got to go what feels right to you. Uh, and, and I know that, um, you know, I can look back at my own decisions, the ones I made that, didn't feel right. Trust your gut. It really does. Thomas Gladwell or Malcolm Gladwell. It just really hits home. Um, you know, you get into a situation like this isn't right. I need to hit the reset. And I'm all for that. It's I've had one of those situations before, too. I actually transferred schools and I oh, understand I exactly. With Gilbert. Oh, well, yeah, that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> answer to the question, though, is the timing of the guys transferring. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? They realize they're not going to play. So Post-spring, I'm out. It's yeah. not any starters. I don't think it's anything for fans to be worried about will actually no. impact the product on the field. All right. So. If if Will Howard hits the portal, I'll, I'll hit the panic button. <laughs> yes, agreed. Uh, speaking of the portal, the next question comes from Imarica. Oh, man, sexy. From, he says, do you guys think... I, uh, first of all, let me just say, the abbreviations on Wabash Station drive me nuts. Oh, it sometimes are hard to get through. H-C-C-K. Can we just say Chris Kleiman? I thought that was head coordinator Colin Klein. There we go. It yep. could be. Um, he says, do you think H-C-C-K? 
CK will add anyone else in the portal this offseason? If so, do you have any insight who that might be or what position they're looking for? Corner, safety, defensive line. Well, I did a daily delivery on this. I think safety, um, nose tackle are probably their two biggest needs out there. Um, you know, we threw in maybe another corner, and Daniel's leaving might make that even more realistic. Um, a place kicker. They're, they're having some questions about, you know, their their placements, not their kickoffs or their punting, their actual placements, which are kind of important. Uh, and then we threw out also maybe a, you know, big blocking type physical tight end. Um, but I think this might turn this to adding another tackle body out there, mm-hmm. a young one. We'll see. I think what's interesting about this, the conversation we had 365 days ago when we are talking about the transfer portal, we're talking about they need guys to start. Right, they need guys that can come in and start. I don't feel like they need any guys that can instantly come in and need to start. Maybe there's a safety if there's a really good, you know, fifth year transfer safety like we've seen them get with Drake Cheatham and and Josh Hayes. If there's one of those guys that's out there that can come in and start, that's fine. But I feel like there has been multiple spots in the past where there are holes on the roster, and you say, "This guy, we need a, we need a guy at this position, this position, and this position." Fitz, what would the other other besides safety? The only other really position of need would be nose tackle, and I feel pretty confident with Uso, Sayamalu, and Javon Banks that they're going to be able to hold down that spot. Especially, and, and you throw in Damian another season of Damian Alalia. Like, I just don't see a a huge need in the transfer portal besides the safety position. Again, maybe they need another cornerback, but I think they can get by with the guys that they got. So, again, at some point, you need your developmental process that we just talked about in the beginning of the podcast to take hold. How do you know if you have a Felix Anyudike Uzama waiting in the wings if they don't get a chance to play? You know, so um, that that's just some food for thought. But, yeah, I think they're in a really good spot, and they're going to ha- only use the portal for guys that they know fit their program and that can help them immediately. That would be my guess. I bet Kleiman would agree with everything you just said. Look at the – 2020 season where he just wanted to get guys reps doesn't matter if you lose by 50 points or whatever at Iowa State (laughs) you know you know they just want to play and get those reps and that's how you find out when you have those dudes as Tang would say yeah I think another example of this is like VJ Payne a guy who played some last Mm -hmm. year was in the mix guy gets hurt now he's starting performs very well that's a guy you know if they would have never have rotated him in then we'd be sitting here saying, well, they need two safeties. They need three safeties. I think they've done a really good job with that. An underrated part of the staff's their ability to work everybody in. But, yeah, the portal should be fun, and, and we'll definitely uh, have it covered. No yeah, doubt. exactly. And if we had names, we weren't going to put them on a podcast. They'll be for our VIPs. Mm-hmm. The last question of the first half comes from CFID. Switching up a little bit here. Does basketball have a double secret commitment? There are rumors of that. Yeah, I haven't been able to publicly announce it myself, but you know, I'm going to commit soon to Jerome Tang and be their starting point guard <laughs> next season. I've been at the rec every day. I'm sure you saw that on Twitter, but congratulations! It's a secret right now. So shh. Oh no. Yeah, I, there's continued rumors about it. Um, really nice pickup. They just had. They've got more work to do. Ace Miss was a big loss. Um, so I. Look, last year at this time I was worked up. You know, June I was worked up. I'm not worked up. He bought enough street cred with me to whatever. You'll take care of it. They'll go find the kid that was a backup at some place and bring him in. And, you know, it'll be Cam Carter or something. They do need some front line guys. They need some. Mm -hmm. They lose a lot of points and a lot of uh, creative abilities. So more points would be nice. And. Keontae left the door open to come back. I'm not saying he will, but I I found it curious. Yeah, so, it's not shut. Yeah, it's we'll, not shut. we'll see. Um, we'll see. And they still want another big man that can run the floor. So they've they've got they've got some uh, needs that need to be met. I just saw a kid from North Dakota State who mm-hmm. might fit that need. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens. There's not a question about this, so I want to ask you, Ryan. Initial thoughts on uh, Tyler Perry, the newest commitment? Well, I'm sure Jerome Tang would say the same exact thing that. He's a winner. You know, he won the NIT at North Texas last year, was a JUCO Division Two. I don't know what the exact yeah. name was, but he won that at Coffeyville and was the NIT player of the year. He was the that tournament at Coffeyville. He was the most outstanding player. So, you know, he, he always talked about Desi Sills. He was a winner. 
um, you know, won a couple state championships and, you know, there's, he just wants dudes that win. And obviously you can work with guys and get them to, to be better maybe at, at certain spots of the game. But, you know, when you have that winning DNA in you, it's going to translate to K-State pretty simply. And so, yeah, you look at his numbers, he did struggle against Power 5 competition a little bit at North Texas. But with such a quick release that, that he does have, I don't see him struggling too much to, to adjust to the Big 12. So, I mean, overall, it's a good good pickup. I'm sure they would have liked to have some other guys on the roster as well. They've they've missed out. There's mm-hmm. no doubt they missed on Ace Miss and probably Aaron Estrada. There's been a few guys that they genuinely thought they had a good chance with and missed out on. But they finally got one, and, and now there's three open spots. So this isn't the... This isn't the last one. It's a lot better than seven open spots as he had at yeah, uh, one point no during the season. Yeah, I think that um, it's a good pickup for K-State. Um, I will say this. The only thing that worries me a little bit, Ryan, and I want to know your opinion on this, is the assist numbers are a little bit down compared to what people might like to see. But a lot of people have also brought up the idea that North Texas and Grant McCasklin play at such a slow pace yeah. that – you're just not going to have those assist numbers. Is that a pretty yeah, fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, North Texas averaged, I think, 10 less possessions per game than Kansas State did last year. And so I know Tang has good things to say about Grant McCaslin and their pass together. But it's a, I mean, and you look at the surrounding cast, the teammates that, you know, Tyler Perry is going to have at Kansas State are going to be a little better than North Texas, right? And we saw it with Marquise Noel, his improvement under. Jerome Tang system versus Bruce Weber. He got so much better. His assists skyrocketed. I'd expect the same for Perry, but I do think at the end of the day, he's probably more of a true score. Noel could do. Thanks, dude. Thanks, dude. Um, Noel was, he was a great facilitator. I'm not trying to take away from what Noel did scoring, right. but he had tremendous vision. Mm-hmm. I think Perry's much more of a score. He can still dish it out. Absolutely. But they're comparable in terms of what they do on the court. Perry is quote-unquote Noel's replacement, sure, but they're different players, and Noel was quick and nifty. Perry's just also quick and can get the ball through the net. I I think they're still going to go find a more true point. I I look at Perry maybe as Desi's replacement, Mm -hmm. and and more scoring out of that, but that type of player. A little bit undersized, but we'll play the wing. Um, I just... I, I I like it. Uh, it gives you a ball handler, but I think they are going to seek out another, you know, true point to uh, try to be the facilitator. That's what that's what they lost in Aceman's the more true point. I've heard really good things about this kid though, and you know, they just people rave about Perry. And I'm excited that Kansas State's going to win a national basketball championship. I mean, because he won the JUCO title mm-hmm. at Coffeeville, and then he won the NIT at. North Texas. This is the next step. I'm pretty sure that's what's going on here. So thank you for picking K-State to win the national title. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. The dogs are particularly revved up today, mm-hmm. particularly Henri. I blame Ryan Gilbert. And that's true for everything. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast, your weekly foray into Kansas State athletics and Big 12 stuff. I think we got some here at the end about conference realignment, expansion for the Big 12. I'm Tim Fitzgerald with Ryan Gills Gilbert and Cole Coles Carmody. As everyone's required to have a Z in their name, no Zach. Is he is, if I'm reading this correctly off my screen, attending the Grand Prix of Miami. <laughs> Miami. I don't know what that is. Uh, he is going to watch a little Formula One in beautiful nerd. Miami. Total nerd. Total and complete dork. Buddy. <laughs> God, we love him. So have fun down there. Go ahead and head to South Beach. Remember, Zach, South Beach is indeed topless. It's just not topless. For the people you want to see topless. Mm. That 80-year-old grandma I saw years ago just scarred me for life. <laughs> I'm sure she loves seeing you, though. You know what is good for anything? I was also topless and mm. probably horrified her. <laughs> What's well, good uh, to get you through those bad moments of life when you've seen an 80-year-old woman's breasts on a public beach? Go to the fridge, wholesale liquor. 
that just go in and ask Mike, hey, Mike, you're a former bartender. Give me a recipe to get me over this. And he'll give you all the ingredients to make a delicious cocktail to ease your stress. I don't know. I just think they should be life coaches as well as selling liquor at the fridge. They'll, they'll see you through your good and bad times. Head to the fridge every time you're in Manhattan. If you're in Manhattan, you shop somewhere else in the fridge. Shame on you. Shame. On with your questions from Wabash Station. Ryan Gils Gilbert's going to take over the second half. I'm not sure why. I'm just going to trust that there's a method to the madness. Gills, speak. First question of the second half from Daddy Longlegs. What? I don't recognize this name. Do you? I did not recognize Welcome this name Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Daddy. That's you. You're <laughs> oh, Daddy. Okay, I'm sorry. Which Big 12 school benefits the most from Big 12 Mexico and which school benefits least from Big 12 Mexico? Is there any substantial difference? Least is West Virginia. Would you like to give a background for some people who may not be familiar? So one of the things I did a daily, deli- <clears throat> daily delivery on this about, what, two weeks ago? I watched it, definitely. Yeah, because it, it had the Taco Lucha-themed artwork <laughs> yeah. on it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. About this interest in Mexico, expanding the Big 12 brand across the border, which is an interesting idea. And, you know, the same thing earlier I said Jerome Tang's bought enough credit in my book to go, you know, to have some patience with. And Brett Yormark wants to give this a shot. Who are we to say it's not going to work? It might be absolutely brilliant. West Virginia is the most disconnected from the – you know, the Mexican culture, the border, whatever you want to put it. But, you know, schools like Houston and Texas Tech and if San Diego State comes in, those are all, you know, very impactful with with the, the border culture. And trying to play a football and basketball game in Mexico City is very intriguing. I think you've got to be selective about the brands you promote across the border to make a connection. <clears throat> but uh, it is interesting for me. I, I'm – look, again – the guy wants to give it a shot. I'm in. I was a little skeptical about the basketball expansion when then I would have heard more about it. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. So maybe I need to hear more about it, some more maybe statistics behind this. Um, I know this. University of Texas is huge. They act, they have a Mexico City campus. Uh, and uh, maybe there's some Big 12 institutions looking at that because this is a very populous country. Um, we all get caught up in the cartels and the violence and, and you, you do have to have some caution mm-hmm. when you go to Mexico, mm-hmm. but Mexico City's a <clears throat> giant metropolitan area. And like all, any of those, some areas you go to, some areas you don't, but, um, it's, it's a place I've wanted to visit, but, uh, I'm in, I'm in, uh, I don't think Kansas state really necessarily fits this, this portion of the big 12 outreach for some reason. They slide into the New York thing pretty well from the Manhattan to Manhattan team, which I think connected between the players and all that. It connected. I actually think that K-State could benefit from this. Okay. When you look at Kansas um, in in relation to some of these other Big 12 schools like Iowa State, the state of Iowa, West Virginia, you mentioned, even like Ohio and Cincinnati, Kansas actually has a very large Mexican oh. population um, of native Mexicans that are living in Kansas, the state of Kansas. And so I, I do think that there is some um, – if I'm K-State, I would play a basketball game down there. I don't know if I would necessarily give up a home game, but if the Big 12 comes to a few select schools and says, hey, we're going to have a beginning of the season tournament you know, with the teams that maybe aren't on your normal schedule because you're not going to be able to play everybody twice right, in, the, in this Big 12 format. So if they want to do some kind of uh, event in – Mexico City and invite a certain amount of teams. I think that K-State should take part, and um, I actually do think that it could grow the brand a little bit because there is a lot of people that, especially in western Kansas, um, could benefit from watching K-State and getting to know the state university, and it could propel them above Kansas because I do think K-State, and I understand this is, I'm kind of biased, but K-State is a more respectable university for everyone than just Kansas is, if that makes any kind of political correctness sense. A little bit. A little bit. Gil, do you got any thoughts on, on this as a yeah. as a guy that works at a Mexican-themed restaurant and bar? You should probably have it. I really feel like I should have some sort of insight. No, yeah. I don't think it's a huge 
it's not going to move the needle one way or another for K-State. But, yeah. I mean, like you said, out in western Kansas, there is a very big population out there. You know, I've been a vocal proponent of the Spanish language broadcast for western mm-hmm. Kansas to um, – honestly indoctrinate those kids at a young age that K-State's where they need to go to school. Uh, you know, I, I just saw a great video of a multi, you know, bilingual teacher in Garden City, liberal, I can't remember what it was, but one of those, and most of her class was, was Mexican nationals, mm-hmm. uh, the children of, um, and the discussion was the difference in the culture of education um, and that trying to get them to believe that they need this education to to elevate, you know, where they're going in life, and that's just not something they, the the common person seeks Correct. in Mexico. I was fascinated by that and the value of that. I I, I can see a, a place in twenty thirty years where there is a large Spanish speaking portion of the student base at Kansas State because of this growth in Western Kansas. I think it'd be cool. I've got no problem with it. And like I said, I I love these Mex- these Spanish language broadcasts uh, to reach that audience. Out of it. It's yeah. not all just we kind of lump everyone together. It's Mexican. There's other nationalities mm-hmm. out, out there, but it is of great value. Well, and I think too, like you mentioned, and that's a great point. Like the the secondary education is not important is not as important right. in Mexican culture as it is in the United States culture. So when you take not just K State, but the entire Big Twelve brand down to Mexico, it automatically piques the interest of people who are from Mexico who say, Hey, well maybe I can go to college in the United States and I can pick out a list of twelve schools where I can go because I just saw them play a basketball game. I just saw them play a football game. I think there's a there's a benefit to that that goes beyond athletics too. And I I know the Big Twelve is not necessarily doing it for that, but that could be a side effect that I think could be really cool too. When I had my DD on this, you know, it was pointed out that both the American sports of football, not soccer, football um, and, and basketball are growing in the Mexican culture, Very popular, and yeah. particularly in Mexico City. So it brings up this, and, and I'm not putting this beyond the realm of Brett Yormark's brand. He's looking at this this market here um, as whether, you know, doesn't matter how you feel about it. Politically or culturally, or what as the two as the border blurs and we kind of blend our cultures even more, is it possible in twenty years a university in Mexico City? And forgive me for not knowing if there is a Mexico City University or something. Um, might decide we're going to petition to be members of the NCAA. I mean, and and sponsor sports. I wouldn't want to play them at soccer, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and at that point, you put your Big 12 flag in that town and you pick up a market like Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And that, that's not going to happen tomorrow. But I don't think Brett Yormark's a guy who's thinking about tomorrow all the time. He, he does, but he's also looking over the horizon, to use that cliche. He's thinking about marketing in um, all, you know, all these major metropolitan areas. It, it's that same sense of what can be and what could be um, that I think UNLV is in the mix. I think that might be a question. I don't know. I saw it on the board, but um, it's, it's intriguing to me. And if at the root of this is his thought, if there's a 10% chance Mexico city becomes an NCAA market, it's going to be ours. Mm-hmm. There's a hundred percent chance. It's going to be big 12. I'm in, I'm in on that. Agree. I think we're done. That was that was awesome. We're out. Bye. <laughs> From Thanks El sure. Camino Cat, are Colorado and Arizona part of the quote-unquote dead weight that has brought down the Pac-12? Both of their football teams have been very mired in mediocrity for most of the past decade, which yeah. has resulted in very few of their games making it onto uh, onto the second or first tier of the conference media package. I, I totally agree with him. Uh, um, sadly, the, the two schools showing the most interest in the Big 12 have been the, the two least efficient in football as of late. But Coach Prime, before you get into your right. conversation, they just had their spring game on ESPN. Right. Their spring game in which they kicked like 40 kids off the team afterward was on ESPN. And... Um, I think Colorado, if you got anyone to be honest about the athletic impact on Colorado, it's been a negative going to the pack. 
Um, and I believe Arizona and Arizona State, if they come, will benefit tremendously from recruiting in Texas mm-hmm. and, and boost their value. And really the play here is about those time slots and being able to expand the TV contract to include the late, the fourth window. Uh, and so that's where the value is. Yeah, I, I think the best, the most uh, logical school from the pack to fit into the Big 12 is Utah. And they've decided to remove themselves from consideration, at least for now. And they haven't done it quietly. I mean, even the AD's taking shots. Um, so they've kind of sealed their fate. They're with the Pac-12 no matter what happens. Now, one of the people I follow on this, I, I don't always trust his information, but it was intriguing <clears throat> that he believes now the next move, um, the current move, because it does evolve. And teams, schools kind of back in and out of the conversations, but it now seems as if Colorado and Arizona are the two that are like most determined to have the Pac-12 just lay your cards on the table. Just tell us. Just and that's what this is about. This isn't about big tool people were wrong. No, it's just that Silent George just keeps putting off the inevitable. Just tell your members what's going on honestly because you're not being honest with them. And um, they seem to be the two most likely. And if nobody else wants to come, it sounds like um, the Big 12 has permission for San Diego State, which opened up the door recently. Their AD came out and said, we're going to be in one of them. And I think he's beginning to realize culturally and geographically the Pac-12 is a better play. Long term, the Big 12 is the only play. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what they should do. And then if there's a fourth, he, this person, it's Greg Swain, mentioned UNLV. There is real smoke beyond Tim Fitzgerald's desire to be able to go work in <laughs> Vegas. There's legitimate reasons in this sports betting world that is multiplying um, like rodents in New York City, uh, and uh, good brand, and it it's a legitimate need to be able to conquer that incredible market and have the Big Twelve flag flying. Not just because you had a tournament for a week, but it is a Big Twelve city. The power of putting up Big Twelve billboards in Las Vegas, welcome to the Big Twelve, as the world passes through that town, just like New York. I'm in. And Mexico City. And Mexico's. I'm in. Um, I would like to see UNLV rebrand to be University of Las Vegas. Just do what Kansas City, UMKC did, or Kansas City. Just be Las Vegas. Own it. UNLV sounds nice. It's got some tradition with basketball. No. Your jerseys should say Las Vegas. Vegas on the football helmets. Uh, all in on that. So, um Brett Yormark is playing chess. He's not playing checkers. No, he's he knows what he's doing. He's playing poker. He's playing poker. Hey, look, he 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 comes at this from a different viewpoint, which can be bad, but he also isn't bought into the ruts that so many of these conference commissioners are. This is what we have to do, how we do it. No, he's not a this is how we always have done it kind of guy. He's the opposite, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Will it be uncomfortable at times for you know people like Mexico City? Really? I get it. But I also trust him that he's not looking at what will make me look good by the time we renegotiate in five, seven years a new contract. I want to look good in 20 years when people look back and say, that son of a gun redefined the Big 12, made it a third power conference, and did it in ways that nobody else saw it with basketball and international and big markets and, you know, visibility. Uh, I'm fascinated by what he's doing. From Bush and the Hog, assuming we continue our success on the football field, what would be the next addition or renovation you could see the football facilities getting? Um, the Fitz Dome. I still haven't won the lottery, though. The beer Something issue with needs alcohol. to be solved. It's <laughs> got to be. It's got to be. Um, it's a great question. I don't. The stadium itself is. It, you fine. can't really expand the stadium. Yeah. I mean, you're not. You don't need to. This, no. This is this market is what it is. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, maybe closing in the corner over there. What, what is it? I got the directions, guys. Southeast corner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bring the Shamrock Zone around. They've proven if you build sweet premium seating that's worth a lot more money than just regular seats. People will fill it. 
And uh, we should point out, and I, I thank John Kurtz um, from another podcast, our friend John Kurtz, that pointed out the, the passing comment or reporting in a Dennis Dodd story about K-State's emergence um, helped Big 12 negotiations mm-hmm. because it is a recognizable brand around the country that is picking up fresh traction left over from Bill Snyder now. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I, I know that outsiders will say, well, Dennis Dodd's been a Big 12 homer through this, which is interesting because I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, I love Dennis. He's a good friend. But at the end of the day, he's a Missouri grad. And it often shows, and it often shows in his reporting um, about Kansas State. And so this wasn't like, oh, I love Kansas State. We're going to put this whole tidbit. This, this was sourced. He he was given that information. So it's uh, there's a lot going on here. I think that you do you talk about potentially adding more luxurious seating to the um, to if if you can at all to the football stadium because again, like you mentioned, I, I think we're getting to the point where the donors are willing to spend money on the program, and at some point you have to kind of give back to them and say, "All right, well, this is for you then." And maybe that's the Shamrock Zone, but um, I just think that the days of Bill Snyder Family Stadium where you walk in with your lawn chair and you sit in the lawn and you can bring in your own drinks and snacks and watch the game. Glorious. Those days are gone. And and the days of cheap tickets at Bill Snyder Family Stadium are gone too. And so if people are going to pay for it, they'll surely pay for more. And And I hate that that's where this is going. But, I mean, maybe the answer is we take off some of the top and you 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 find a way to put more luxury seating. I don't know. I don't know. The campus edge thing going on right now is really interesting to me because I haven't seen the latest plan. I don't know where they're going because the original plan I saw was moving the ag department. The ag department says, hell no, you're not taking all of our land and moving it. But there's a lot going on. They're getting to, ready to build a structure there next to uh, what is Rock and K's in the foundation building right there. Um, there's a lot. I mean, they're dressing up the the whole street front from, you know, basically, let me get my streets right here, Denison over to college. Mm-hmm. That's where the fridge is located, right? No, no, well, no not, not, no, not at all. You're, you're adorable though. Um, and, uh, thanks. Yeah. It, there's a lot that can go on there. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting. They put a bus stop in. Right in front of football. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the local bus can get there. But more importantly, charters and busing people in from remote parking maybe can take place. We'll see. Um, but I, I I think the next step's basketball. I think they're going to have to dress up Bramlage. They're going to have to go through the walls and, and get this thing done. It's going to take at least a year. And lo and behold, maybe that year can coincide with a game or two in Mexico City. Hmm. That was going to be my answer to this question. K-State football just won a Big 12 title, Mm -hmm. a top-notch practice facility. Bill Snyder Family Stadium is fine. I think you want to focus, if not basketball, somewhere else. I mean, volleyball is obviously good right now, but I don't think football should be much of the focus at this point in time. I think you you got to settle on basketball. Give Jerome Tang whatever he wants. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they got to fix Bramlage. I mean, Bramlage is – a great environment because the fans make it an environment mm-hmm. as a functionality of a facility. It sucks. It, it's got so many shortcomings that were, um, it was so poorly built. They, they've got to fix it. And at building a new facility, what I wanted to do at one point is just so outrageously expensive, just retrofitting, you know, maybe the East side or excuse me, the West side, um, to accommodate, you know, lower entry for, for the alumni uh, doing some stuff over there makes a lot of sense, but it will mean the roof comes off and you got to outdoor basketball. Yeah. Well, without put a new roof on, Oh boy, he's trouble. And uh, they'll, they'll have to find a place to play for a while. Nah. Rooftop roofless basketball roof. to make it happen. They've the, done that on the carrier in the ocean, you know, they'll yeah, play out there. Tuttle Creek. Let's play on the aircraft or in the aircraft carrier on Tuttle Creek. There, there might be some logistics it. of getting the aircraft carrier there, but I'm in. All right. Last question of the questions podcast from some comes from KSU cat 80. What do head head coach? Here's another abbreviation <laughs> for y'all. Kleiman and head coach Tang and their staffs need to learn from each other and be able to implement ASAP as part of their culture growth. 
Well, I think the the mastery of social media on the basketball side was incredible. Football's pretty damn good. It's, I mean, it's the same department. Um, Football, there's a lot of people that are getting paid on right. that staff, whereas with basketball, it's just Tang and the coaches just going at it. Yeah. Right. I mean, Dream Dowling is his own social media manager. It's incredible how much social content he puts out. Uh, I, you know, actually it catches me off a little bit trying to figure out what football gives to basketball. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I mean, that's not an insult in any way. I'm just not sure what translates across. It has to do, I think, with the visits and the game day. And if sure. we would have had more time at Chris Kleiman's press conference, I, I really wanted to ask him a question of what has basketball done for your recruiting? Because you cannot tell me that there are not football recruits that see what K-State is doing on social media and go, that is really dang cool. Yeah, like, I, I want to be like, that's cool. I want to be a part of that culture. So, I mean, I think that they, they compliment each other in such a good way. That's and the point. fact that the basketball staff is so visible at the football games helps the football's helps football's image. When basketball is really dang good and that arena is packed, it helps football's image. They work together and people may agree or disagree with that statement, but you can't deny the fact that if both places are full, that has an impact on a recruit, and I think that's mainly where the culture growth is. You're a football recruit, or excuse me, you're a basketball recruit and go to a football game, uh, and you see that student section, and your head coach is in the midst of it, uh, it's got to register. It just has to. And and now they've got you know easy evidence to say, well, this turns into Bramlage. It, it, it's the same thing, just inside. In the past, that wasn't always true. But now it's very clear that the culture from football has carried over into basketball. So, yeah, it, it, the, the two are very cohesive. The two staffs get along really good. They're led by really good men um, who are open to ideas and, you know, understand the need for social media and, and these type of things. So it's, it's pretty cool stuff going on in K-State right now. It's fun to cover. I believe it was all but one football game had a basketball visitor this past season i know the schedules are different and i'm not aware of the dead periods i could be wrong on this but football didn't have hardly anyone go to basketball games and i know the official visits are different and stuff with football but hey bring someone in town for you know the ku game or something when Mm k-state basketball is playing i think that's something that Kleiman maybe could utilize a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Plus, they sit over by us, and they can see how hard the media works. Absolutely. That'll encourage them to come to K-State. Absolutely. That's it. But the visits worked. I mean, they David do. Castillo is a commitment, and Patrick Gongba is high on K-State's list. He's been for a visit. So I think the, the players are very blown away. Like, wow, this is this is for football? Imagine what it's going to be like for basketball when I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool stuff's going on at K-State. We appreciate you listening to the Powercat Questions podcast. We will have the overtime without Zach, without the voice of reason I'm this Zach. week. I'm sitting in his spot. Uh, you're just sitting in his spot. That doesn't make you Zach. It just doesn't. Ask Daphne. You're not Zach. We'll talk to you next week. Stop into the fridge. Just say hi. Just do it. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat.